We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message.
Hi, I'm Don Moen. Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people. I stand in the midst of a multitude Of those from every tribe and tongue We are your people Redeemed by your blood Rescued from death by your love There are no words good enough to thank you Express my praise, but I will lift up my voice and sing from my heart with all of my strength. Hallelujah, hallelujah, 
Hi, friends. You know, I want to encourage you during these days uh, when so many people are in need to just allow yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit to minister to someone. Uh, This might be a smile, uh, a a kind word, um, just a a small gift, but uh, maybe just being a good listener in a conversation. Uh, But allow God to use you uh, during these days uh, just to be the light of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Christ to someone in need. And you may say, hey, Don, I don't have a lot to give. I'm not a trained pastor. I'm not a a minister. But you can give what you have. Uh, um, uh, I wrote a song, You Have Two Hands. Two hands and one heart. <laughs> yeah, two hands, one heart. Uh, that's what we give to the Lord. So uh, just like the little boy with the uh, five loaves and two fishes, I mean, that yeah, could never feed uh, a multitude of that five over 5,000 people. But uh, he brought what he had to Jesus, and, uh, and Jesus blessed it and uh, fed thousands with it. So uh, what you have, just give it to the Lord today and ask him to use you. So, Lord, we do that. We offer up our lives to you. All that we have, we give to you, Lord, and we ask you to uh, bless what we have and and use us throughout this day, uh, throughout this week, to be your hands and your feet and to be the light of Christ uh, to those who who may be living in darkness. Use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're on a journey, a journey through the book of Revelation. Our main theme is unfolding the power of prophecy. One of the key things we need to keep in mind here is that the book of Revelation is not a book of prophecies. It is prophecies that you've been given since the first day of man being fulfilled. We're honored that you decided to join us. We certainly expect you to be challenged and blessed. Most Christians today avoid the study of this book. There's probably good reasons to that because of the supposed symbols that are within this book. We need to take special care of those symbols because those symbols are communicating exact truth about the book of Revelation. As for our little fellowship, the Lord has blessed us with a deep understanding of his prophecies. I personally have been studying them for over 30 years. We pray that all who listen today will be motivated to study his final words to the seven churches.
We're on number 34 of our 220 Revelation series. We are certainly glad that you decided to join us today. Today we're going to be speaking from the passage of Revelation chapter 10 verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. I saw a strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book, which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea, and his left on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven pearls of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven pearls of thunder had spoken... I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven pearls of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to the heaven, and swore to him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea, and the things in it, that there will be a delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, and he preached to his servants and prophets. Let's turn our attention to John, who, by the way, has received the direct attention from God. The Lord certainly got my attention when John said, And I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven. Well, I have learned that any time God uses the Hebrew word strong or ox, I know something significant is about to be revealed. Take a look at the seven identity statements of this particular angel. Number one, the angel is strong and mighty. Number two, the angel came down from heaven. Number three, the angel is clothed with a cloud, with a rainbow on his head. Number four, the face of the angel is like the sun. Light of life is how that translates. Number five, the feet of this angel are pillars of fire. Pillars of fire are always the symbol of strength and power. Number six, he has in his hand an opened little book. And then finally, number seven, he is standing with one foot on dry land and the other on the sea, denoting ownership and authority of both. Now let's review the Lion of Judah revealing himself. There's a good chance that this angel is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. Revelation 5, verses 5 through 7, reveals this truth. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. 
And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now the little book contains these seven seals, which are the seven last things he will state to earth dwellers. Understanding that this is our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to see that this is the last and final time he speaks, or should I say, roars like a lion. Remember when Joel said these words, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. And that's found in Joel chapter 3 verse 16. Now without question, this is a time that Jesus makes his position and power of authority known to all the ages. It is his shout of victory and privilege. This call will be given with a cup of divine fury and is about to be poured out on all these nasty people we just revealed through the earlier chapters. The winepress of the earth, according to Revelation 14, verses 14 through 20, talks about These people will be trodden under his feet until the blood runs up to the horse's bridles in the Battle of Armageddon. We're at the point in our study now that the conclusive things of the prejudgment of God are occurring to those who are dwellers on the earth. Let's review the great announcement though. So what is about to be announced here? This shout is the long-awaited announcement of the immediate oncoming judgment of the Almighty God. As you might guess, Satan doesn't take this announcement laying down. War is declared as a result of this long-awaited challenge. And after Jesus shouts his announcement, the seven pearls of thunder respond. Thunder is and has been associated with the voice of the Lord in judgment. Throughout the Hebrew writings, into the New Testament writings, and certainly into the book of Revelation. The seven thunders mentioned here are righteous judgment thunders. Put it plainly, the Lord just forewarned the devil, demons, and followers that judgment is around the corner. How did John respond to all of this? As our scripture states, he was about to write down these seven pearls of thunder and what they were saying, as he did with all that was revealed to him about the book of Revelation. But then a louder voice from the thunderous voices said, Seal up the things which the seven pearls of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. The seven pearls of thunder must have delivered such a prophetic, timely, but yet horrific message that he was to go to his grave with such knowledge. And as we find in scriptural study, that's exactly what he did. We have already been told of most of the horrific details imaginable to mankind. Surely what John was forbidden to write must have been way beyond human imagination and comprehension. As for me, I refuse to tamper with even guessing what these things were. Now let's take a look at God reveals himself as the creator. In Revelation chapter 10 verses 5 and 6 we find this. 
Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. Our minds tend to lighten the impact of truth when it is too large for us to embrace. That's a fact. Here we have the seriousness of the Lord God getting ready to lower the boom. We have an angel standing mightier than all the men, with one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, his right hand lifted toward the throne of God, swearing on the name and honor of the Creator himself. The angel is about to put the question of evolution to rest proclaiming that all demonic doctrines of humanistic thought and belief are not only wrong, but those who indulge in such childish ideologies will receive severe punishment for promoting them. The hour has come, and there will be no further delay in judgment. Judgment is about to fall. The thousand-year reign of peace are right ahead of us and will surely come at a time appointed by the hand of God himself. For all those who tend to argue over pre-, mid-, and post-tribulation, it won't matter at this point. Life will be coming at them so fast, by this point they won't even have time to try to figure it out. It is the time I look forward to God leveling the playing field. All are about to see for themselves dead alive in Hades, or seated in the heavens. God is the creator of all. God is about to put all of the fruitless speculations of man and Satan under the microscope of judgment. What a sight this will be. The mighty angel, Jesus, with all the brightness of the sun, all the raging, roaring fire of a powerful blaze at his feet with the clouds of glory covering him, as if God himself has clothed him with his holiness. And that brilliant rainbow that makes up of his diadem, the crown, well, that is none other than the colors of the Father's character. There he stands, hand pointed toward his Abba, which activates the artillery of heaven, the seven thunders. With the alarm sounded, the stage is set and the observers in place. He prepares the earth to receive the Father's orders to finish the work in which he started. God's long-suffering and endurance is concluding, and his tender ways with this particular earth are ceasing. Up to now, God has not interfered with the world's governments, religions, and humanistic self-worship. By this time, the world is a complete shipwreck. Man, beast, and all demonic followers of the Antichrist are about to be touched by the hand of the living God. Verse 7 unfolds the finishing work of the seven mysteries of God. Let's take a look at those seven mysteries. Again, in Revelation 10:7, it says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, as he preached to his servants and prophets. 
Here's the seven mysteries. Number one, the mystery of God's precious and holy will. You can look up Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 for that. Number two, the mystery of sin provoked by the devil in our flesh. That's in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. Three, the mystery of godliness and holiness. You can read more about that in 1 Timothy 3, 16. Number four, the mystery of God himself, according to Colossians 2, 2. Number five, the mystery of the seven stars. That's out of Revelation 1.20. Number six, the mystery of the woman on the beast. We'll be talking more about that in Revelation chapter 17, verse 7. And finally, the mystery of Israel, the children of Isaac versus the children of Ishmael. And that's found in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. These mysteries are relevant and purposeful for this particular passage. The mystery of God is about to be disclosed. No more guessing. He will make all truth known to all who hold to one of these two final world views. Child of God or child of the devil. It won't matter. All will see these mysteries of God. The evil and demonic reign of Satan will be no more after this. The warped, twisted, indulged, humanistic, and emergent ways of Satan are about to be suppressed. Forever. Why has God allowed this defiled and corrupt being to get away with so much for so long? My dear listener, that is a mystery Jesus is about to unfold. Acts chapter 15 verse 18 says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Then we find in Revelation 10, 1 through 7, our passage, shows us the mystery of God is about to be finished. Details, that's up to the mind of God, in and through these seven pearls of thunder. Our thoughts are not his thoughts, that's for certain, and his thoughts are certainly not ours. Jesus, God's only Son, the heir of all things, will now capture the governments of the earth out of the hands of the Antichrist, who is the devil in sheep's clothing, and take over. And that can be found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and of course our popular passage of Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. Just as God put David on the throne after the anti-God king Saul, Jesus will sit on a literal throne in Jerusalem. Cool thing is you and I will reign with him here on this earth during the 1,000-year millennial reign. Now, many people have the tendency to think it's going to be in the actual third temple that is rebuilt in Jerusalem. But Christ and the bride are going to actually conduct the 1,000-year judgment from the new Jerusalem that is hovering over the old. You will get more details on this later, but Satan will be put in the pit during this reign, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Our husband, Jesus Christ, will personally put Satan on the chain gang for 1,000 human years. After the 1,000-year reign, he will be cast into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
He will be tormented along with every human and demon that he, Satan, led astray, which led them to damnation. Let's take a look at our Alpha Omega worldviews. If you look to the extreme left of the chart, you're going to see the original worldview, which is God as God, the Creator. The arrow that you see to the left of this box reveals that he was, is, and always will be the God of creation. But moving right in our pictorial, we find Lucifer sinning. After he's cast out of heaven and placed to this formless planet, he is given a new name, and that new name, of course, is Satan. At the point of creation, which include, obviously, Adam and Eve, the original worldview was being revealed through the tree of life. Lucifer, now Satan, however, wanted to develop a replica worldview through the tree of knowledge. So these two trees actually become the symbols of worldviews. Then, as we know, man chooses to sin and follow Satan's worldview. It doesn't delete the original worldview, it simply delays it. The original worldview comes by way of the descendants of Isaac. Although Satan manipulates a replica through the descendants of Ishmael. We'll talk more about that in later chapters. And of course, the most common replicated worldview is through evolution and humanism. If you follow the arrows of blue, you'll see shortly after the descendants of Isaac, you have the cross. The Messiah comes and delivers the fulfillment of all the promises made throughout the generations that came from Isaac, which is where we get our 12 tribes. So the original worldview became now Jesus and his life. This dumps into the end times, which is the study of the book of Revelation. The replica worldview, the descendants of Ishmael, dump into the replica worldview that Satan has in the world during the end times. And also the replicated worldview that he established through evolution and humanism is also dumped into this view that the Antichrist is going to have in and throughout the end times. And then finally, this all dumps right back into the original worldview. God is God and God is the creator. And that's our passage today at Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. Worldview is absolutely everything when it comes to humans. I don't think Satan could care less one way or the other as long as he gets his control fix. But when it comes to humans, worldview is important. Satan has worked through just human instinct and certainly through descendants of Ishmael, which are the modern-day Muslim people of today to develop a replicated worldview that he somehow believes, I don't get it, but he somehow believes it will rule during the end times. In our passage today, we are learning that this simply is not going to take place. All of us who are true Christians, born-again believers that are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, have a blessed hope 
which gives us strength and courage to look at these unpleasant details. The grace of God that saved us in the same grace that teaches us to look forward to the glorious appearance of our great husband and Savior, Jesus Christ, can be found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. True Christians are few in our emergent lukewarm world today. Closer we get to the reign of the Antichrist, fewer and fewer are going to be actually and completely indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It appears that we are the losers and the enemy is the winning one and winning all the daily battles. But be assured, we do win because we have already won and will reign with him forever. Are you one of his selected few that will endure to the end? Only you and God can answer that question. If you doubt, I wouldn't wait too long to get that doubt removed in your mind. If belief is what connects us to the soul of Jesus Christ, it certainly would be doubt that binds us to a heart or the heart of Satan. Think about that today. We are glad that you joined us today. We understand that studying the book of Revelation is a challenge. We also want you to remember that it is impossible for you to comprehend the deep truths stated in the book of Revelation unless you have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit living inside you. If you're an unbeliever, a non-Christian listening to these particular messages, at some point in time you're going to have to make a decision to either refute Christ or to accept him. In the PDF of this particular message, in most of our messages, we have a salvation prayer at the bottom of that PDF. Please keep that in mind. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.